Look at my butt. Show number 236 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Hey listeners, Lena here. This podcast is coming to you from the past, even though it's the present now, or I think it's the present now. When I visited uh, Kitty in Chicago, we recorded a whole bunch of stuff, and I was all ready to put those together as podcasts, and then, hey, guess what? One of them disappeared off my computer. I have no idea what happens. Technology. Fucking technology. So I have some pieces left, which I'm going to put together because they're fun and because we wanted to give you something from the incredibly fun time we had in Chicago. A lot of time has passed since then, but these podcasts are still relevant. So we're going to recreate the the missing podcast in which we watched Experimenter, which is this wonderful movie on Netflix about the guy, Milgram, who was the basis of Bill's movie, The Tenth Level. So we will discuss it again because that's what most of the missing podcast was about. So in the meantime, here are some pieces that we recorded. One of them, I believe the first one, is waiting for Thai food to show up because that's what we were doing while we were recording it. So please enjoy them, and we'll be back soon with another actual real podcast that we recorded very recently. Thanks. This this show is called um, Waiting for Thai Food. Yes. <laughs> We've just ordered Thai food from our favorite Thai food restaurant here in Chicago, and it's, it's not going to be way. here for a while, so we're going to talk to our lovely listeners. It's true, and we've got Star Trek on in the background because it mm-hmm. happens to be on MeTV right now. Yes. It's Requiem for Methuselah, and um, we're, it's just started, and we're, we're looking at them wearing their third season costumes, and Bill's looking just a little pudgy. I yes, and say. the uh, toupee is not, not, good. not a favorite. Not, not really good. So we've got a whole bunch of newsy sort of things that would be good to talk about. So I'm just going to open the tabs here and we can talk about them. Okay. So here's a little, um, a, maybe an early Christmas gift or, you know, potentially Christmas or birthday gift for someone. This is the Star Trek TNG Bluetooth Com Badge. Yes, and I am very excited about this. This is for the low, low price of $80. Um, it looks exactly like the Com Badges on TNG. Um, it has a built-in microphone for hands-free calling, and it's called the Next Generation of Communication. Oh. And there's quite a lot of text here. Yes, which there I, is. I'm not going to read, but they do show um, someone demonstrating here how it works, and they're they're touching it. And apparently, mm-hmm. when you touch it, it makes the little the little chirping noise. So here's what it says. We've had a screen-accurate prop replica badge in our closet for a while. The only thing it was missing was the ability to emit the classic communicator chirp sound effect when we pressed it. And then we found out that an audio company is making a fully functioning, officially licensed communicator badge. Behold, the Star Trek TNG Bluetooth Com Badge. It hooks up to your phone or some other device with Bluetooth, has a built-in microphone for hands-free calling. Once connected, one touch answers or ends calls, plays or pauses audio, or accesses Siri, Google Now, or Cortana. And of course, a touch plays that classic communicator sound effect. Warning, you're going to want to keep the micro USB charging cable handy right after you receive this, because making it chirp is well nigh irresistible. What does it say what the range is on it? Yes, it does. Wireless range, 33 feet. That's pretty good. Yeah, I guess. See, I was hoping we could each get one. And, <laughs> and talk to each other like walkie-talkies? Yeah. Well, I mean... I mean, I'm not thinking, you know, across the country. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm thinking like 
at cons and oh, that's true. we're hanging out. Well, we could certainly be doing it, you know, via a, a phone call. So you just yeah, a that's phone true. call and then we can we can just keep it open and talk to each other. So um, it looks pretty good. Uh, let's see. High quality micro speaker, so it's supposed to have good noise. It has noise suppression and echo cancellation, blah, blah, blah. And um, it attaches using magnets so you don't have to make holes in your clothes. Oh, good. Which is also a good thing. Yes, I have a badge <coughs> like that <laughs> from when I'm ushering. Oh, well, it looks very cute. Oh, my God, there are 272 comments about Already? it. Already? <laughs> when did this come out? Uh, the other day, I think. I think, yeah. Oh, wow, because all of these comments are really recent. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Um, that, Does anybody already have one? Oh, let's see. Um, oh, someone posts, sadly, a huge disappointment. Cheap looking, poor audio quality, and a weak magnet. Aww. Oh. That's sad. Oh, it's a, here's another review. I really wanted to love this badge. I really did. I pre-ordered it, waited for it, received it with so much joy and anticipation. Took it out, set it up and was immediately disappointed. Oh, well then, I'm keeping my 80 bucks. First of all, it chirps all the time. <laughs> it's not simply notifications for phone calls or even text messages, but literally everything and all the time. The interface with the badge consists of tapping once, tapping twice, and long pressing. It would be somewhat intuitive, but the only feedback you can get while wearing the badge is chirping. There's a tiny LED at the bottom, but wearing it, you can't see it. And you pull off the badge to check the light. The magnet on the other side falls down inside your shirt or yes. jacket. Yes. Oh, God. I've attempted a few phone calls, and the party on the other side barely hear me. And with minimal background noise around me, the speaker on the badge is weak and tinny and difficult to hear. There are many things that could make this better. I wish there was some software or an app to configure which notifications go to the badge. I wish, there, I wish there was a way to update the firmware. I wish there was an easier interface or maybe some physical switches. In short, I wish I could recommend this to anyone. Sadly, I feel we ha all we have been sold is an $80 chirping comm badge that I will only wear in cosplay mode to have to tap on um, the chirp on demand. As a Bluetooth accessory, it is useless. Aww. Aww. Okay. That's very sad. So you it's know, cool looking. I'm thinking now, you know, maybe not for you and me to have, but like... I, I don't want to be one of those people who walks around with a thing in my ear all yes. the time when I'm outside talking mm -hmm. on the phone. But would be kind of cool like to have on my jacket when my phone rings in my pocket mm -hmm. and I'm carrying things or whatever and just go like this, yes, and you know, oh, it's it's Lena, it's my sister, <laughs> it's the drugstore. Those are the only people who call. Yep. So <laughs> it's it one be, of those three. It would be good. I, I have a couple of, um, in. I have a, a thing that goes in my ear that looks like a Horus thing, except it doesn't stick out quite okay. so much. And I have some uh, other sport earbuds that go in my ears, and then it has a band mm -hmm. that loops around the back of my neck. And that's the way you answer a call, is you just tap it on the side, right. which is weird. Um, but you get m like a lot of business calls yes, and things. I don't right. anymore. So. <sighs> well, we'll just have to keep waiting for it. Yes, that is too bad. It's too bad. But it sure looks... It Good. looks so pretty. It's nice that people took the time to leave sort of fair reviews to yes. say, here are the things that I, you know, I wish they could make better and I wanted it to be good. Um, here's a weird news article. Yes. This is at UPI, which I didn't realize UPI had its own website. Um, and the headline is, Star Trek crew acts out scene among commuters on London train. Now, did you watch this? We watched it together. Oh, did we? Okay. Well, I knew I had. Yeah. <laughs> We just had it on. Um, okay. So it says, 
February 15th, a bemused passenger on the London Underground captured video of a bizarre performance featuring actors in Star Trek uniforms on a crowded train. The video, recorded Wednesday, which is a couple weeks ago, shows the performers in Star Trek costumes standing among the passengers on the Metropolitan Line. The actors recite a scene about being on the bridge of a starship and engaging coordinated movements when their ship comes under fire from laser phasers. Um, the person who filmed it said, I was sitting on the tube when these group of actors got on and began performing a scene of a captain and crew on the bridge of a starship. And then the final, so that's, this is the whole article, and then the very last line says, the performance, the purpose behind the performance was unclear, as were the identities of the actors involved. <laughs> that's it. So not really news then, I mean. Well, no it kind <laughs> of is, we have film, and the film is cute, especially when the ship rocks. This is true. So I thought they actually did a pretty good job of doing whatever they were doing, and you know, their, their um, what, their flash performance, mm -hmm. or whatever they had to do. There's a guy with a yellow shirt, there's a guy with a blue shirt, there's another guy who's wearing an, another blue shirt, and then there's a couple people that we can't quite see. One of them was a woman wearing like a sort of silvery costume, that mm -hmm. more like an alien, and then there's a woman sitting, but um, she's kind of out of shot from the person who was filming it on their camera. Um, and they just do a little scene. Yeah, and I, I was thinking, okay, it's, it's got to be publicity for, yeah, something, for something or some improv mm -hmm. troupe, and they just apparently are maybe just cosplayers who wanted to have some fun yeah. on the tube. Um, I think that they're English, but they did pretty good American accents, uh -huh. I would say. Um, and I don't know, maybe one of them was American, but um, yeah, clearly a Star Trek reference. Maybe we'll be hearing more about this and, yes. and find out what it was actually about. <laughs> I want to um, inform our listeners as to what else is going on here in the podcasting studio. Uh -huh. I had flipped over Jack the <laughs> podcasting dog's bed so he would stop annoying me by humping it while we're talking. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time I've ever seen him actually try to do some problem solving. Oh, he's trying he, hard. He is trying to flip it over. He is. He really Oh, now is. he's giving up. Okay. Well, no, I think he's going around the other oh. side. He's going to examine the problem, see from a different angle. Oh, look, look what he's doing. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are just thrilled. He's picking it up with his teeth. Now he's got his head underneath it. And he's, oh. he's still trying to figure it out. Well, we'll, we'll updates as they happen. Yes. Um, Let's move on to our next news item, <laughs> which is uh, 50 Artists, 50 Years, a global art exhibition commemorates Star Trek's 50th anniversary with original 2D and 3D artwork by artists from around the world. And I believe in your original link to this, it said that they were putting out a book? Yes. Okay. So you, let me click And on it's this a very thing. expensive book. Let's see. Oh, my God. Wow. It's $1,000. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Um, it includes 53 limited edition prints ranging in different sizes. They come hand numbered and housed in a custom portfolio box with a suede interior. Ooh, suede. Very nice. Um, so you can buy that at Lightspeed Fine Art, but over at StarTrek.com, you can actually look at not all of the different art pieces, but a number of the different art pieces. Right, and some of them we have seen on yes. the web or prints of, and I think if you found one you really liked and were to click through and find the artist page, you could probably purchase prints or posters or uh, just whatever. that one thing. Yes, yes exactly. Because there, there is one I particularly like, Smirky Kirk, <laughs> but I don't need m more Star Trek art here, but I do like that one a lot. That is true. So, yeah, and this one, um, we had actually talked about it. This was Star Trek the Original Series by uh, Dusty Abel, and 
It was this, oh the poster yeah, with the poster everybody that has everybody in it, and there's Kirk front and center, and it's really beautiful. So if you go to StarTrek.com, we'll put the link in. Um, you can click on each of the individual pieces, and then it gives you a little bit of background and a very short interview with the artist saying, you know, here's why I did it, and mm -hmm. here's where it came from. And then yeah, they have links down at the bottom to the uh, the artist's website where you can see. So that's pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. Gosh, a thousand dollars though. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And I gotta say, as we observe, looking through all these pieces, too much Spock, not enough Kirk. Yeah, and you know, too much TNG, and you know, everything that's not Kirk. Uh, I mean, Kirk is your primary clickbait. It is. And even outside of the web, he's your primary clickbait. Yeah. So you know, what what's what's going on with not enough Kirk? Yeah. Maybe. What's you know, going on here, honey? What is this? <laughs> Maybe in this particular uh, exhibition at StarTrek.com, they chose not to favor the Kirk-related stuff, but... Big mistake. There's a whole bunch of Spock stuff. Where's yeah, the Kirk stuff? Yeah. Where's that Kirk stuff? I don't know, man. Oh, yes. okay, no. You want to talk about this one? No, but it just caught my mind, caught my mind, caught my eye. Um, we can talk about whatever, <laughs> but we do have to get to that. Okay. Well, here's an article uh, at our new favorite site called Inverse Entertainment. Yes, and the headline, okay, first of all, clickbait. It's Sarek, it, this is Star Trek Three with his um, melding mm -hmm. with Kirk. Kirk has his face. eyes closed. Look at him. I know, oh. beautiful Kirk light around the, the, the uh -huh. you know, curves and everything of his face. But the headline kills me. <laughs> Spock's dad, <laughs> Sarek, <laughs> will force Star Trek Discovery to make sense. That's right. And I'm just going, okay, I want to see this happen. I want to see Sarah march into the writer's uh -huh. room and, go, and tell them what's what. Look. Yes. And then the subhead is the second most famous Vulcan in the galaxy. We'll keep things on track. Um, it's interesting in the article, they do give you a little history mm -hmm. of Sarek that he only appeared once in original series, right. but then he was in like three of the movies. Uh, and he was in TNG. Yes, he has become such an important continuity point. Absolutely. Almost as important as Spock. Yeah, it's great. Well, the article is mostly, I have to say, speculation because of nobody knows what he's going to be doing there. Um, you know, they recently announced that they, he was going to be a character and that they had cast a new dude um, who's named James Frain. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I've seen him in things, but I don't know what. And they haven't said anything about what he's going to do. Yeah. So. But they also go into um, a lot of speculation about what is this going to be about? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be about the Romulan War? Right. And about um, Sarek as an ambassador and as a peacemaker. Mm -hmm. This could be an early career thing yeah. for him. They also point out something I didn't know that is it. I can't remember because it's been a while since I read the article. I think they said in Star Trek IV, mm -hmm. there is a portrait of Lincoln. Yes. And and right next to it is a portrait of Sarah. Sarah. What scene is this in? I don't know. We'll have to Google and see if we can find it. Yeah. Um, I will look for that. Uh, so, yeah, um, here's, here's the next paragraph. The Vulcans in the show Enterprise were portrayed as way more duplici duplicitous uh, than those from the rest of Star Trek. Because Enterprise took place about 100 years before the time of Captain Kirk, it had more wiggle room to show how different the Vulcans were back then. But Discovery has a smaller gap. It only takes place about 10 years before Kirk in command of the Enterprise, which means it can't alter too many big plot points. Still, all those Vulcans in Enterprise were good at spying, which is a skill Sarek could retroactively inherit too. 
When Star Trek has done secret peace mission stories before, like TNG's Unification or the original episode The Enterprise Incidents, spying and going undercover were almost always conflated with Vulcans. So not only must Discovery depict Sarek as peace-seeking and wise, it could potentially also make him into an altruistic spy. <gasps> Ooh, a spy. The James Bond of Vulcans. <laughs> well, it's very interesting. So. Is that going to be some kind of record for people, different actors portraying the same character? Because they had somebody else being Sarek in the, the Abrams movies, right? Was Sarek in the Abrams yeah. movies? Oh, yes, yes, yes. He was. Yes, yeah. yes. So they've had him played by Mark Leonard. They've had him played by, um, what's his name in the movies? The, Whoever he was. The, the, uh, oh, my God. He was in Chariots of Fire, and I can't remember his name. Oh, I don't but, know. Yes. Yes, okay. And now this guy, this but they've guy. all played him at different ages. Different ages and different times. Yeah. Mm. Well, we'll have to see. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Now we're back. Yay! <laughs> So let's see, um, we've got some other things to talk about here. We had an article about Wrath of Khan. We also had an article about um, the doors on Star Trek. Yes, well, <laughs> there is no bit of Star Trek-ish <laughs> trivia too trivial for us to true. trivialize further. Well, here's the th let me talk about the door thing because okay. this is wacky. Um, this is an article that appeared at a site called Hackaday, so hacking, like computer hacking. Mm -hmm. And it's called, The Smartest Computer Was on Star Trek. And the reason they say this is because the doors on Star Trek, which were presumably run by the computer, knew when to open up and when not to open up when people were getting in fights and getting thrown against them so they didn't slide open and you went Bam, into the hall. Through. Yeah, exactly. Um, Wildcat and I called those the drama-sensitive doors. I remember that, and that yes. was exactly right. Um, and this was great. Uh, the reason why they are so smart on the show is that the doors really have a human operating them. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> you just ruined it for me. <laughs> so it says, uh, for the real fan, though, you can buy a little gadget that looks like an intercom panel from the Enterprise, the one where Kirk would go and he would press the little button. Right, um, yeah. That would be cool enough but you can get one that has sound effects and can sense when someone walks into your doorway so they can hear the whoosh of the turbo lift door. So every time you walk through the door, the little sensor sees you and it'll make the it'll whoosh. Go. Yeah, it'll yep. make the whoosh noise. So this guy named Evan, who has um, a, a blog called Evan's Techie Blog, and oh my God, if it doesn't look like a 19... 99 uh, yeah. live journal type blog. It really it's is. Hilarious. It's the simplest bare bones. Oh, it's amazing. But there appear to be no ads. Uh, there are no ads, which is really <laughs> good. Uh, so he took one of these little panels. Uh, he bought it for 30 bucks from ThinkGeek or something. And then he modified it because he's a guy who needs to modify things. Yeah. So More, uh, more power to him. Yeah, and so he's giving step-by-step -step instructions on how he went 
through and modified mm -hmm. it. So here's what he's got. Um, he got it to do the following things. Let me scroll. There's a lot of pictures of circuit boards and stuff yes. like that. Yes. So, um, here are the functions. It plays the whoosh sound. <laughs> All right. Um, it um, also will do an alert, um, so the little red light will blink, as it used to when okay. we were walking around. It'll do that. It'll play the hailing frequency sound that would happen um, when Kirk would be walking through the hall, and it would make it mm -hmm. to get his attention. Um, it will have a, there's a thing where you can kill the current playing of the audio, so you can shut it off, so it won't actually do it. Um, you can turn the LED on and off. You can set it to blink so that it doesn't make any sound, but the LED just blinks. Mm -hmm. And um, you can also have it play the red alert sound, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds horrible. Yes. And it runs on a little battery, and you control it from your computer. I guess it's got a little chip in there that does it. But so. it still doesn't open and close doors? It doesn't open and close <laughs> the door. See, that's the thing. Oh, no. I thought that was the whole thing, was this guy had modified this and put in a, a motion sensor. No, it doesn't. But this this cracked me up. This is the report. So now we're back at Hackaday.com, and they're saying, um, the guy who made it, Evan, had to be a little creative since the red alert sound, once started, would not stop. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, that would be the worst thing ever. You like you make something really cool, and what does it fucking play? The red alert sound. Yes. Oh, like, that's no, horrible. Stop, stop, stop. So here's the thing that got me even more, right? I, I'm scrolling down, and there's a video yes. that's called The Mystery of the Door Swoosh Noise in Star Trek. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So I watched this video. It's four minutes long, mm -hmm. which I'll never get back. And <laughs> somebody took... A, the sound of the door swoosh noise from, from TOS, and they slowed it down and slowed it down and slowed it down and figured out that it's actually made up of two parts. There's the swooshy noise, and then at the end there's a little chirp, which mm -hmm. is actually a separate noise, and I don't know how they did it. This doesn't explain anything about the noise. It's just taking it and pulling it apart in, like, audacity or something. Um, and if you slow it down enough, the, the secondary part of the noise, a little chirp, starts to sound like somebody saying a word. It's just pareidolia. It's not really someone saying right, a word. Right. Your brain is trying to make it, and it sounds like a person saying nothing. So the person who made their own noise took out the chirp at the end of the real noise and took made a, a recording of their own voice saying the word nothing and then sped it up and attached it to the TO. So now they have <laughs> their own custom door swoosh noise that has their voice embedded in it. Does it sound exactly like? Pretty much. Okay. But they made it. And Great. It's and this video shows you how to do it. Okay. <laughs> I want the damn doors. <laughs> I want drama-sensitive doors. Oh, my God. So, yeah, um, there's that. And I have to say, <laughs> every time I watch Futurama and the doors swoosh when they open, it, I just laugh because it's... So well, funny. I remember too seeing the drag kings do hairy mud, or, <laughs> and they make their own noises. Oh, it's so funny, and they do the hand gesture. For yes, the doors. it's yes. great. It's just great. So anyway, that's what people are up to. Okay. That's oh darn! I thought this was building up to no, the guy did I'm doors. Sorry, I wish it was, but it's not. Well, you know they have them in supermarkets. Yeah, they do. That's you true. You step on the thing. So couldn't some enterprising little clerk? Just attach a sound to it so it makes that noise. 
And wouldn't that be a fun thing, like April Fool's, to see how many people notice or do not notice? Yes, this is true. Well, I will tell you, uh, not to get too far off track, there is a sketch by um, one of my favorite groups, the Kids in the Hall. Yes. Um, where it is Kids in the Hall, isn't it? Or maybe it was somebody else. It might have been their spin-off group, which had the brother of one of the guys. Anyway, not important. Um, where a guy goes to a supermarket and he steps on the thing and the doors open and, and like that. And then one of the supermarket people takes the, um, the pad out of the way and puts it to one side because they're cleaning. And that stops the door from working. Uh huh. So the person, the, the employee, like watches people like walking into the door, and, and like they're <laughs> laughing because it's so funny. But then they take the pad, which, like in reality, it's not a pressure sensitive pad. No. It's, but so they take the pad and they cut out two foot shaped things and they glue them to the bottom of their shoes. And then the whole rest of the sketch is them walking down the street. And every time they pass a door, the door <laughs> opens. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's hilarious. And it's just the comedy of like these random doors opening mm -hmm. and smashing people in the face and people falling. Oh, how wonderful. Things. And then it, it actually ends up with a little bit of plot where um, they kill someone by having them fall down an empty elevator <laughs> shaft. It's really good. Okay. It's really, really funny. Anyway, that just made me think of that. Now, we have another article that we want to... Um, talk about, which is the mo the 15 most bumbling villains. track villains, and the link isn't working, so now I'm Oh, no. It's okay. I'll find it. Here it is. So the link from my email isn't it working? It didn't work. Oh. No. All oh. right. So this is again at CBR, <laughs> which used to be called Comic Book Resources, but now they're not just about comic books anymore. Okay. So there's, of course, an autoplay video that's going to fuck up my computer, but that's okay. I'm just going to have to wait till it <laughs> stops. You can see. Like, and it's making sounds. Stop. Okay. Okay. It's fine. Um, the 15 worst Star Trek villains, starting from number 15, and we can decide if we agree with any of this or not. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. I love this picture, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> number 15 is Q. Now, most of the time, Q is not a particularly he's, bumbling... No, he's also not a villain. Well, he's the, he's the antagonist. antagonist. But yeah. an antagonist isn't a villain. But, okay, we're talking about people writing articles on the internet. <laughs> okay, you're right. Um, so, I, I would not put him in the villain category, and I also wouldn't call him bumbling. I, it was unfortunate that in his... Uh, later appearances in like Voyager, he wasn't nearly as good a character. As yes, in, yes, in, that know, is true. TNG, DS9. <coughs> anyway, <sighs> okay. Number fourteen, the Kazan. I don't know who these guys are. I don't either. I they got to be from something we never watched. They're from Voyager. I don't know anything about them. Okay, skip it. Number thirteen, the uh, the sisters Lursa and Bator, um, who I actually kind of like. They were pretty good Klingons. Yeah. What were they in? Um, they were in TNG's reunion episode, and I believe oh. they, they died at some point. They got, okay. got blown up real good. <laughs> Number yeah. 12 cracks me up, but the, it's so true. God. God. <laughs> so God was the villain, the villain <laughs> in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and of course, what would God want with a starship? Um, yeah, great, great dialogue written for God here. Um, I do what I want. I'm God. <laughs> okay. So you know, Bill, God versus Kirk. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Kirk, because he doesn't like to lose. 
Okay, number 11, Ardra. I liked Ardra. I thought this was a good episode. I, I, I enjoyed really, that yeah, episode. It was very good. Um, it that was, was TNG, correct? Was yes, I liked TNG. that episode. Yes, so she pretended she was a god, another god, and um, this time instead of defeating a computer with logic, Picard defeated a god with logic. Ooh. Taking, taking a page out of Kirk's book there. Then we have. Well, they do teach that at Starfleet now. How to, to break computers with and by gods talking to with them yeah with Kirk logic yeah yes. that's good. Okay, number ten, Henry Starling. Who's played, he? I don't know. Um, played by Ed Begley Jr. Yeah. Uh, Voyager, I guess. I never saw this episode, so I don't know anything about it. What is this? Starling scavenged as much as he could and became fake Steve Jobs. Oh. I have no idea what that means. I don't know. <coughs> We'd have to watch the episode. No, that wouldn't help. All right. <laughs> Next one, Berlingoff Rasmussen. I remember him. Oh, is he uh, related to Burger King chicken fries? <laughs> so this was um, in TNG, and he was pretending to be uh, a time traveler. I remember that. Yeah, really that was a good, good episode. episode, too. Yeah, I like that episode. So, yep. He wasn't particularly bumbling, although he did get caught in the end. Again, yeah, this is their whole thing, is if the villain was defeated, which he has to be. Because he's a villain in Star Trek. I yeah, mean, it's, it's kind of like, okay. Mm, all right. Trelane. Trelane, we were talking about this just recently. Mm -hmm. Is <clears throat> it, First of all, it is such a good episode and has the most amazing twist. Yes. When we find out, he's just a little kid. He's a little boy. Uh, I like the description here in this article. Um, this goofy guy was a semi-omnipotent being who kidnapped members of the Enterprise for his own personal amusement in Squire of Gothos. A giant fanboy of humanity. Yay! <laughs> really good. That is good. Um, so he made some blunders, of course, because he was a kid. Yeah. So I don't know if you could call him bumbling. I mean, it was just a, a reflection of the kind of being that he was. That he well, wasn't sophisticated enough. And the funny thing is that for however long in Star Trek time, but in TV time, for a good 40 minutes, this kid <laughs> had them, you know, completely at yeah. his mercy. But he was powerful, you know. Yes. He was like um, the send him to the cornfield kid. Yes, he was exactly like that. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very true. All right. Number seven, Arn Darvin. Yeah. And I like that they put pictures of, of, of the both. Now. Yes. yes. It's very good. So, again, I'm not sure. I'm bumbling. I don't like that word, you know? Mm -hmm. It just implies that they're stupid or they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, like he did the best that he could. How was he supposed to know there were going to be tribbles? Yeah. Right? If it hadn't been for the tribbles, nobody would ever have known. It was right. just a chance. It was a great plan. Yeah. Except for Tribbles. Except for the Tribbles. Damn them. Those meddling Tribbles. Okay. Oh, my God. Stop playing. Jesus okay. Christ. All right. Oh. It's go time. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> She's getting angry. I am. I hate it when stuff is playing and I don't like it. Okay. We're, we're okay. The next one, number six, Itana Jal. Who's this? I don't know. Uh, She's got to be from... It says something Enterprise? about... No, it says Riker, so I guess a TNG episode. She fooled us all into believing she was a good-time girl, having some harmless fun with Riker on Risa. Turns out she was a no-nonsense Katarian bent on conquering the Fedigation. Fedigation? Oh, Federation. but the video game thing. I don't really remember that. Oh, it's a stupid episode. <laughs> 
where Riker brings back this like you know, like little Geordie mask, uh -huh. and it lets you play this really fun video game, but uh -huh. it's really doing like mind fucking or something. Oh. And of course, the only one who figures it out is Wesley. It yes, Wesley. All yes. right, fine. <laughs> Next one. This is good. Now, this is really good. Number five. And I don't know why he's not number one. <laughs> frankly, Chekhov in the mirror universe. <laughs> and the thing is, he's the one on the list who truly is. Bumbling. Bumbling. <laughs> he totally is. So as I love the Read description. This. It's great. Okay, this one warrants actually reading it. Kirk is on board the Terran Enterprise, uh, Terran Empire Enterprise, less than an hour before someone tries to execute him. And it's our sweet little Anton Chekhov who's responsible for the dastardly attempt. It's pretty standard in the mirror universe. Why do they call him Anton? His name isn't Anton. It's Pavel. Yeah, they're thinking. No. They're thinking of Anton Yelchin. Yes. That's Idiots. bad. Okay. Bad, bad. Okay. Need a it's, poof reader. It's pretty standard in the mirror universe for officers to advance by assassination, so Chekhov plans an ambush outside a turbo lift. But, like so many of the doofs on this list before him, <laughs> Chekhov wasted a bunch of time talking about his master plan instead of doing his master plan. In the time it takes for Chekhov to explain how awesome it'll be for Kirk to be dead, Kirk's security team gets there and foils everything. Chekhov clearly didn't plan for the contingency of Kirk's bodyguards. This whole mess was the equivalent of a smash and grab. Not the best strategy when you're on a spaceship with no escape, and you're not so much stealing anything as trying to kill a formidable adversary. It's such a bad strategy that Chekhov biffed it when it was four against one. One needs more sophistication if one is to survive in the Terran Empire. This is true. Well, I will say, that's not exactly how it happened. You know, it was because one of his guys change sides. And yes. Kirk's bodyguard showed up a little bit later. Yes. But it's true. If he had just shot Kirk right then and there instead of waiting around and, and monologuing as Yes, no one will no question the death. Yeah, oh God. You know. Yeah. All right. Moving along. Number four, the Essentialists. Oh, uh, I love their third album. <laughs> that was after they had been touring for a while and they yeah. had a totally different album. Different album. sound. Who are these guys? Yeah, I you don't know. know. I, don't I, know I have no idea. All right. Well, I think this might have been a DS9, and I don't remember it. So we're going to skip that. Okay. Um, number three, the Pac-Leds, um, who were a very, very interesting uh, type of villain. They were totally bumbling, but um, again, they weren't villains in the like you know mustache twirling kind of way. They just wanted what they wanted and mm -hmm. didn't really care about other people. Okay. Harry Mudd, number two. Only number two. I know. I guess I would actually consider him a bumbling villain. Because he, he is a villain and he is bumbling. He most definitely is a villain in his second episode. Yes. He's not so much... He's a con man. In he's the first a con one. man in the yep. first one. Mm -hmm. In the second one, he actually does take steps yeah. to you know, get them to that planet and right. strand them there and, and fuck it up. Right, but. that's right. Number one, the Ferengi. Okay. You know, I guess they were villains when they were originally introduced, mm -hmm. and um, they changed them so much over the course of all of the series, and especially in DS9. I don't know, man. I don't know if it even counts as villains. Oh, yeah. But you know who really were the most bumblingest villains? Oh. Sylvia and what's-his-name that you, turned out to be pipe cleaners. You are so right. They were totally <laughs> bumbling villains. I don't know why they're not on this list. <laughs> they were the stupidest. They were stupid. Yeah. Very stupid. All right. We're going to take a break, and we're going to eat our Thai food. Yeah.